0: Hi, my name is David Morgan. I am here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. And this is our first podcast. Um, this is gonna be available on my website at www.ldspsychologist.com. Um, I am a licensed psychologist and uh have been writing for a few years now on um, how the gospel and uh, mental health issues interact and so we thought it'd be good to do a podcast and hopefully many more podcasts after this. But I don't want to do it alone. <laughs> I want my wife with me because she is smarter than I am. And I have always appreciated her insights.
1: Um, well, I'm excited we're doing it. I've said for a long time that that you need to do a podcast because so many people love to hear you speak and... Uh, you have some valuable things to say, so I'm excited about it.
0: And it's been a bit of trial and error <laughs> trying to figure out how to do it. We're actually sitting on the floor of our bedroom right now, um. So hopefully the audio quality <laughs> is good, talking into uh my phone. So the for this first one, we want to talk about anxiety issues. Um,
1: yeah, one of the things that you get asked to speak on a lot, sometimes both of us, but but you mainly, is anxiety. It's just a topic that seems to apply to a lot of people. People have a lot of concerns. They're either suffering with anxiety themselves or they have loved ones and, and that are suffering and they want to know how they can help. So it seemed like a good thing to tackle the first time out.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, There's been, it seems like a, an increase, I think, in our society. Sure. I'm not exactly sure why. Um there's so much more anxiety now than uh than there has been maybe there hasn't maybe there's no increase and we're just more aware of it sure. um but regardless it is something that is uh, significant so Kristen's going to ask some questions and I'm going to give some answers and we'll both kind of talk back and forth and and hopefully people find this helpful
1: yeah so let's start first with I don't know a definition what is anxiety when people talk about they have anxiety. What does that generally mean?
0: So for me, anxiety is, um, or not just for me, but kind of professionally speaking, anxiety is fear. It's fear of something. Um, and our bodies are naturally designed to respond to fear. Um, we, uh, if, if we are threatened by some sort of predator or other situation that is dangerous, our bodies are going to react and we'll start to have that those natural anxious feelings, like when your heart rate starts to increase or your breathing becomes shallow or or those sorts of things, and anxiety is is on obviously on a continuum. we can have very, very little anxiety, like right now, I'm having a little bit of anxiety <laughs> just recording this podcast um but it but it's not anything exceptional uh compared to. Others who, you know, find they can't even walk into a crowded grocery store because, you know, the anxiety is so significant. Um,
1: yeah, so maybe give a, a real-life example. I know that you have one that just happened the other day from work.
0: Sure. Um, the problem is that sometimes anxiety gets so significant that it starts to interfere with the way that we're trying to live our lives Um and so I have an example. I was at work the other day and I was doing an evaluation on a woman who had come in. Um, and so I didn't know why she'd come in. She was a referral from a, a state agency. She um, I asked her, well, do you have any mental health issues? And she said, I have anxiety. And I said, OK, well, tell me, does your anxiety keep you from being able to do anything? And she said, well, you're the first coming to this appointment is the first time I've left my house in the past three and a half weeks. <laughs> Um, So she wasn't able to do, she hasn't been able to do much of anything except sit in her house. There are probably important things that she needed to do. Um, Here's a funny example. Just uh, if any of you are in the Pacific Northwest, you know what we're going through right now. We are currently, there's about maybe an inch and a half of snow on the ground. (laughs)
1: Maybe two inches. Maybe two inches. inches.
0: Some places have like four or five. My sister lives up towards Seattle and, and I think they've got four or five. So anyway, uh, Kristen and I went to the store yesterday morning before the snow was predicted to fall, and, um, oh, probably 10 o'clock or so, and we get there, and uh, there's no carts available. (laughs) There's no carts anywhere. Every single grocery cart was gone, and so, and we didn't have that many things to get, so we figured maybe we could find a basket or something. So we're walking through the store, and the store's just packed. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really, really huge. Yeah, the lines actually the lines weren't even that bad when we were there. They were long, longer than usual. Um, but the store was packed. We we saw a cart that was just sitting there empty. So, you know, we waited like for you know ten seconds to see if anyone, you know, was looking at us suspiciously, and then we ended up taking that cart. (laughs) Um and so, but then about probably four o'clock that afternoon. Probably
1: as people were getting out of work.
0: Yeah, we start to we're seeing posts on social media of like grocery stores that are cleared out, you know, and lines that were like 90 minutes long for people to check yeah. out of the grocery store. So...
1: For four inches of snow that yes, hadn't yet arrived. That <laughs> hadn't even
0: yet arrived, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, but so I use that as an example. For someone who has significant anxiety, there's no way they could go into that store. Right. I mean, they would, they would they would view that as a serious threat if they walked into a store and just saw people you know, swarming, um, that would be something significant. There's truly nothing dangerous about walking into a store, but for a person who struggles with anxiety, they react to that crowded store the same way they would react to something that was, you know, a, a true threat, like if someone's pointing a gun at them or something like that. Right. Um, so that's that's one of the ways that excessive anxiety tends to, you know, compl- complicate our lives.
1: Sure. So one of the things that you talk about that I really like is this idea of don't don't have anxiety about having anxiety. So maybe explain what does that mean?
0: So yeah, I I think that's a good point as well. We as and and this these podcasts are somewhat generic but both Kristen and I are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we believe in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, and that influences just about everything that we do. So a lot of the examples and things I talk about um, will have references to the gospel. So she says people have anxiety about having anxiety, which is totally true. What happens is they will, so let's say that someone is getting ready to walk into that store, and they see it's crowded, you know, it's got, everyone is in there buying everything they can to prepare against the snow which and then my sister lives in North Dakota where they've got (laughs) like
1: feet (laughs) yeah
0: you can't even see half their tree because the snow has has covered up the entire trunk Um, and uh, they I I think they wear their coats when it's like 10 below right (laughs) otherwise they're in shorts when it's like 10 degrees uh, above zero so we're out here panicking so the person who. They, they walk into that store, they start to have that, that uh, familiar experience of panic, and so then they leave, but then they start worrying about the fact that they had the panic attack. They're like, right. oh my gosh, I shouldn't have had that panic attack, that was wrong. And so then that adds a whole other layer of anxiety to their existing anxiety. And one of the things I try to tell people is just take the anxiety for what it is. Don't worry about the fact that you're worrying. You don't need to add extra anxiety and worry to that. Um, it's, just, uh, it's just too much.
1: Right. It's funny because I was talking to one of the kids the other day, and, and he was talking sort of about this principle. He said he'd gotten... Oh, I know what it was. He he's recently returned from a mission to Mexico, so he's been gone a long time. And oh,
0: and by, the, by by the way, we have six children. As she talks about, we're talking to the kids. Six children: three are away, two married, one in college, three at home. One grandson, cutest grandson ever. So, anyway, back to one of our sons.
1: Yeah, so I was talking with him about. Oh, he he'd recently returned, and he was he was telling me that he'd gotten upset the other day because he'd gone to one of his favorite restaurants from before his mission and had, you know, ordered his normal thing and it wasn't as good as what he remembered. And then he was upset that it wasn't as good as he remembered. And then he was upset about the fact that he was upset that it wasn't as good (laughs) as he remembered. And luckily he's insightful enough that he kind of took a step back and said, you know, why, why am I worrying or why am I mad about being mad that, this isn't as good as I thought it was. So it's sort of the same thing with anxiety, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Don't get mad about being mad. Don't get (laughs) worried about being worried. Don't get sad about being sad. Those sort of things. Um, In in our lives, we're designed to have weakness. We're designed to have flaws. Um, Our Heavenly Father gives us those weaknesses and flaws so that we can become like him. Helps us be humble. Um, And so if we start to worry about the fact that we are struggling we don't need to worry about that. We're all going to struggle. It's okay to have those weaknesses. So um, yeah, that that's kind of my first piece of advice to people who, who struggle with anxiety issues is don't give yourself a hard time for just having the anxiety issue. Accept it and move on. You're already going to have enough anxiety. You don't need to add extra sure. anxiety to that about the fact that you think you should somehow be flawless or you think that you should just be able to deal with this without any difficulty um it's hard
1: well and I think there is sort of a measure of peace that comes when you kind of accept that like you said like you're a little bit flawed we're all a little bit flawed and it's okay to say yeah I feel I feel anxious or the situation makes me anxious I think part of the problem is that in society that hasn't always been you know a quote okay thing to acknowledge and I think we're getting a little bit better about acknowledging that, eh, it's okay, I have anxiety. I think where the concern comes in then is where it does become debilitating or it becomes a trait that you want to improve but you don't know how to improve, which is sort of you know, the stance that we come from. How, how can we help people right. that are suffering with anxiety? Right. So what do you do instead? Instead of worrying about it. <laughs> I mean, we always say, it's not helpful to say, just don't worry about it, but how do you not worry about worrying about having anxiety?
0: Well, part of it is just simply that. I mean, you have to, I mean, it's not just a question of like snap out of it, that sort of thing. All of our emotions are based on beliefs that we have about things. Um, And so, for example, if I think that it is bad to have anxiety, if i so let let's say that's my that's my frame of reference um i should be perfect i shouldn't have any issues um the church expects me to be able to handle these things and so i should i should not have anxiety about this then when i do have anxiety because of some other thing right so so i have anxiety because it's the crowded store and so so i go in and my anxiety starts to ramp up then that other belief kicks in that says well you shouldn't be feeling this way you're you're flawed to feel this way and so that creates even greater anxiety because of the anxiety I'm having if i can address that belief that it's oh if i can change from it's bad to have anxiety to it's okay to have anxiety then i'm still going to have anxiety in that crowded store because that, And that's something I'm going to have to work on. But I may not have that additional level of anxiety because I've accepted the fact that it's okay to, um, to feel this way.
1: Right. And maybe that's part of the reason why we see a rise in anxiety. I don't know. I, I find it a fascinating topic because maybe at some level we've created this idea that those feelings aren't normal. And really they're they're really normal feelings. I was talking with, uh, I teach seminary, so I teach an early morning church class, and one of the girls was was nervous about having to get up and give this little spiritual thought before the start of class, and and then she was worried about being, worried about giving this thought, and I was like, hey, it's okay to be nervous. Lots of people get nervous about getting up in front of your peers and, and talking for a few minutes, particularly about your feelings. It's okay. That's a normal thing, but I, I think somewhere along the line, we've, we've sort of received this message that it's, it's not okay to have those feelings of discomfort or nervousness or whatever it manifests itself as.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing that happens is if we avoid the anxious activity, then we're, we're never going to, um, it's, it's much more difficult to actually get over it that, uh, um, I know there's we have a couple examples of this. One from our son that I'll have Kristen tell you about, and um, actually, why don't you tell him about uh when he was when he had to give the talk?
1: Yeah, so we use this example a lot. Uh, when one of our sons turned twelve, he had to give a talk in church in front of our congregation. He was asked
0: to give a talk, was, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. He didn't have to. He didn't have he to. Get, but, he could uh, opt out, but but we wanted it's him to. Yeah. Sort of the expectation, and and he accepted the invitation. And the night before, he comes downstairs to have me help him prepare the talk, and he's just full on freaking out, for lack of a better term, just almost hyperventilating. He's crying. He's breathing heavy. He's upset. He's, you know, just having a really bad time of it. and Probably just, having a
0: panic attack. Yeah. now
1: Now that I know what a panic attack is, I yeah. think that's what he was having, but... At the time, I didn't know, but he clearly was upset, and I just remember having this clear thought that that he needed to do this. And I remember looking at him and saying, "Look, I don't care if tomorrow you just get up and you say your name and you sit down. I don't care if you get up and your dad has to stand next to you and give you the talk, give the talk for you, or if I stand up there next, you know, to you and give you give the talk for you. But it you've got to do it because if you don't do it, it's going to be a hundred times worse the next time around." And I, I believe that about so many of the things that we're anxious about. He, we wrote the talk, he got up the next morning, gave it just fine. I don't think anyone probably could even tell he was nervous and he's never had a problem giving a talk since. Now, it's not always that easy. I recognize that, but that's an example of you've kind of, one of the strategies is you've just got to do what you're afraid of.
0: Yeah. And I think he was more worried about the anticipation of it than the actual event, um, it's like uh it's like waiting in line for a roller coaster that you're afraid to ride. Right. That's what's killing us. My <laughs> This is a- another example. And then I'll get to the one I was going to tell earlier, but um about 2 years ago my uh our son who just got home from his mission uh for his senior trip, we do that in the family I I take the kids when they after they graduate from high school to a destination of their choice and he wanted to go down to Southern California to Disneyland and which we've been to many times, and it was wonderful, but he also wanted to go to Magic Mountain, which is a theme park just north of Los Angeles, and uh, and they've got these crazy rides. Um, I tend to get a little motion sick, and so I, I was able to get a motion sickness patch um, that helped, and uh, I invited my younger brother, my youngest brother, who's 16 years younger than I am. Um, I'm almost 50, so he's in his mid-30s, and uh, so <laughs> this is Justin, and... Um, and we had a great time, Justin and and Davis and I, and but anyway, we we decided to ride this free fall, which is the tallest free fall in the world. It's forty stories tall, um, which is like the that's it, huge.
1: There's no way I'm getting on that.
0: It it, it takes like it <laughs> takes like five minutes just to get to the top of it as as they're dragging you up this thing, um, and then they just drop you, and so but at the top there's like it's got this pretty cheesy overlay of, of its Lex Luther, and he starts monologuing about how he's going to rule the world and stuff like that. So we're sitting there at the top of this thing. You can almost see Mexico from where we are. I mean, it's, it's so tall. It's slightly swaying in the breeze because we're so high up. And we are freaking out. I mean, and Justin in particular was just... I sort
1: of wish I was there for Oh, that my part. gosh. We were just like, oh, my
0: gosh, just drop already. Just drop this stupid thing. And it seemed like we were up there for 10 minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> and so um, finally it drops. And, and the drop was scary and exhilarating and lasted about five seconds. Um, it was the anticipation that was much, much worse than the actual sure. experience. Uh, and... So anyway one one more story, and this is about a friend of mine in our ward, and I used to be the executive secretary, so it was my job to ask people to give um opening and closing prayer and sacrament meeting and uh i I knew that she was nervous about that. she does not like public speaking, and so um and so I went to her one week and I said, "Hey, will you give a prayer?" and she said, "I don't want to give a prayer, brother Morgan." and I said, "Okay, that's fine, but I'll probably ask you again sometime. And I'd usually ask people a week in advance. And so one Sunday morning, I get there, and um, the opening prayer wasn't there. The person was sick, and they had texted me and said that they weren't going to be there. So I only had about 10 minutes to find a new prayer. And I saw this sister. So I went up to her, and I said, Sister so-and-so, I said, it's a miracle. I said, (laughs) it's
1: your lucky day. "The,
0: The Lord has provided an opportunity for you to give an opening prayer and sacrament meeting without having to worry about it for an entire week, without having to have that anticipatory, anxious buildup for seven days. You only have to have that for 10 minutes. I said, you can freak out about it for 10 minutes and then get up there and say the prayer. And she kind of looked at me. She says, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and she said, can I write it down? I said, sure, you can write it down if and you want.
1: Did
0: great. Um, and And then she gets up, walked right up there, gave an excellent prayer, came down. Afterwards, I after the meeting, I came to her and I said, how was it? She says, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, and that was such truth that she spoke right there. Because the things that freak us out are almost never as bad as we think they're going to be. It's that buildup that kills us. And when the fact that she did it, now she doesn't want to get in line to give another prayer anytime soon. Although...
1: But- I will say that since that event, she has prayed in church yes. and spoken yes. in church where previously, I don't know that that had happened.
0: It, it had been a long time yeah. since she had done that. And, and maybe it had to do with the fact that she kind of faced her fears. Um, it's so important to do the things that frighten us, to do the things that are difficult. Um, because if we don't, then we live with this eternal fear of what it might be. If you're just sitting there staring at that free fall... Sure. And you never ride it and, and you're going, oh, my gosh, I could never get on that thing, you know, and, and you stare at it. You, you can work yourself up into tons more anxiety than you would ever have even riding the thing, sure. just anticipating what it might be like. Now, you may ride it and get off and say, I'm never doing that thing again because right. that was horrible, um, which happens to some people. For me, after I got off, I thought that was pretty rough. I don't think I'll do that again. And now two years later, I'm like, yeah, I might do that again. Um,
1: that might be fun. The thing, too, about anxiety, and and one of the reasons I like talking about this strategy of doing the thing that we're afraid of is, to me, anxiety usually stems from a, 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 a lack of control or a fear of lack of control of something that's happening in your life or some event that's going to happen. And we feel out of control, and so that creates this fear. At least I see that manifest a lot. And when we do the thing that we're afraid of, then it's almost like you're taking a little bit of control of that fear and mm-hmm. it and it lessens that hold on you and i can remember years ago being afraid i was super shy as a child being so afraid to get up and bear my testimony in church that was something that would happen and and i remember wanting to do that and being so afraid and and, and just almost being paralyzed and yet having this strong desire to do it and i can remember this vivid memory of walking into church one day when I was about 12 or 13 years old and thinking you know if I just get up first then I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the meeting and so that's what I did and it was so liberating um, and you know I don't know that I've been afraid ever since to bear my testimony in church so that idea of doing doing what you're afraid of and also stopping that worry you know that doesn't give you time to worry about being worried you just do it.
0: That's right, and I can bear solemn witness <laughs> that Kristen has managed her fears so well. You would never even think to meet her. You would think there's no way this person has anxiety, um, <laughs> and and she's definitely overcome it. Um, which and, and that's and maybe we'll close on this point. Um, sure. That is, our, our weaknesses come from our Heavenly Father. We talked about that from the beginning. If you go look up. Uh, In the Book of Mormon, Ether chapter 12, verse 27, it talks about weakness, and it talks about that our weakness come from our Father in heaven. It talks about that our weaknesses are designed to uh, make us humble, and if we are humble and have faith in Jesus Christ, then our weaknesses can become strengths. Uh, I think Kristen's a great example of that. I think that she is... um, that weakness that she experienced before has been converted to a strength for her uh, through her faith and her diligence Um, anyone who knows me now probably would not describe me as an angry person i used to have an anger problem it's been many many years since i have but i really believe that 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 weakness that the lord gave me has been transformed into something that really just doesn't exist now so that is absolutely possible through the atonement of jesus christ having said that there are some things that are important for us to continue to struggle with over the course of our lives. So you might be in the camp where anxiety issues might be something that when you say, you know what, I think I'm gonna to try to deal with this, you start applying some true principles, you find that it works and you're and you're sad and you're not anxious anymore. You might be the type of person that you apply those principles and you're still anxious, maybe less anxious, maybe now you can get out of the house more than every three and a half weeks. Or you can go into that crowded grocery store before the, the snowstorm hits. But um, but the anxiety is still there. And so I, I don't want people to feel like, people say, well, you don't understand. I'm never going to not be anxious. To say that might be true. That might be true. I think you can be less anxious probably. And that might be your burden to bear in life. Um,
1: and I think what we, our desire out of, doing the podcast or speaking about these things is to give people hope uh, even when it's not an easy fix or maybe it's something that you struggle with long long term. But there there's hope and there's things that we can do to improve our situations, improve the way we think, um, improve how we feel about each other.
0: Absolutely. that's um, And we'll leave you with that. Uh, hope is so important. Um, through the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we can all change. We can all become like him. He doesn't have anxiety, and you can become like him, uh, whether in this life or in the next. You will become like him if you simply follow the the path that he's outlined for you. So we are, uh, and and so we hope we hope that you have hope that as you look at your problems, you think you know what there's something I can do about this, uh, and hopefully that'll be a theme. Hopefully that will be a theme <laughs> throughout this and uh, successive podcasts. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will uh post this on my website. Again, that is www.ldspsychologist.com, lds like Latter-day Saint psychologist.com. Uh you can also find my blog on there. Um and uh, and other resources related to the gospel and mental health. Uh, and I absolutely Kristen will be back because she Arby. She'll be back, and, uh, I'm, and I think you'll be grateful for that. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. This is just a test.